morning, morning, church. Can we give the Lord a hand? Can we start the day off with that? Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to see all of you here. We're going to have a great, great, great morning. Those of you who may not know him, um, Pastor Eric, I get the opportunity to be part of this great staff here and get to share some days. Today's my day. And if you saw and you heard on the, um, on the title, uh, the title of the series is called What the World Needs. Okay, what the world needs now. Come on, do you, I, I believe the lyrics were written in 1965. Come on, sing along with me. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. All right, thank you, thank you. I knew I should have been a worship leader. Anson, you're in trouble. <laughs> I know, look, look, somebody said, Eric, the scripture says make a joyful noise. Don't just make noise. No, I hear you. Uh, but anyhow, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful to, uh, to be here. But as you heard the title, what the world needs now is love, uh, sweet love. And I believe it's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, that the scripture says that God is love. So whenever you hear a word like what the world needs now is love, it's really saying what the world needs now is God. Sweet God. And the, what the world needs now is love. But it just feels, this maybe it's just me, but what it feels like what the world has now is a lot of anger, anxiety, frustration. And I'm not just talking about the greater world. I'm talking about our own worlds. There's a lot of tension. And... I used to believe, and, and, and I learned this from actually my good buddy Bruce uh, Barker. I remember we were talking one day, and, and I was like, Bruce, you know, what it feels like the world has is a lot of anger, or it just feels like anger, anger and stuff. And Bruce told me, he says, do you know that anger, anxiety, tension, all those things, those are secondary emotions. They're not primary. See, they feed off of, or they come from, fear. So when the Bible says God is love, in 1 John chapter 14, or excuse me, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, in verse 16, it says that only perfect peace casts out fear. So when we talk about uh, uh, what we need, it says only, only um, um, perfect love casts away fear. Like it's, it's, it's love that gets rid of the fear not your answer to your problem. Okay, I need that to be understood. Your solution, your peace of mind, your happiness, your joy, the things being better, aren't because the problems you currently have have been solved. Because once they're solved, you're going to discover new problems will show up. So really what, the, what we got to go after and get removed is fear. So it's perfect love that casts away fear. So I'm leaving that there because it's important for every one of us to understand in the world that we live in right now, the way that God shows love, he demonstrates it through all of us, how we love one another, how we connect to each other, how we express it. And there's a scripture in Revelations chapter 12, I believe verse 11 that says, um, Please forgive me, I'm getting a little emotional because I'm going to have a, a pretty powerful moment up here in a second. Um, but they say we overcome by the blood of the Lamb 
and the power of our testimony, by our stories. And so to understand the world needs love, you know, like it does, to truly understand how God works in the midst of, it's not about circumstances, it's how he removes fear in the midst of circumstances. I get the opportunity to, you see two chairs up here, to interview my baby girl. So I'm bringing up my baby girl, Madison. Madison, if you go ahead and come out here. Come on, can we give Madison a hand? Yeah. You guys hear me say my baby girl's coming out here, and some people are like, she's tall. Uh, yeah, but she's still my baby. <laughs> okay, but this is my baby girl, Madison, and we're going to just literally talk, by which you all get to be a part of the conversation. Um, just for giving context, and she asked me that I would do a little bit of it, it was, I believe, back in 2014, where we discovered that my baby girl has lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. So at 14, we found out she had lupus. Um, that was an interesting journey. Uh, over time, though, she was able to manage it, uh, uh, and not just manage it, she has the world's greatest nurse, her mother. And so through the process of going through that, Madison played volleyball and played at a really great level, was able to go off to Colorado State University and full-ride scholarship and play volleyball there, and all that was great. But uh, over time, you know, it went from playing, you know, autoimmune lupus, and then all of a sudden she ended up being anemic as well. So she, 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 she became anemic uh, and then came home and she's still in school and everything, but we had to go through this process. And again, very vulnerable. We just felt like we can talk all day, but the reality is testimonies matter. And we found out um, in April um, of this past year that uh, my baby had Hoskins lymphoma that my baby had cancer. And we're sharing this story because I know we're not the only ones who are experiencing real life. And so I'm, we have no desire today to talk about a message that just sounds good on the sideline. Real recognizes real. We need a real Jesus dealing with real situations. So we want to give you a real story. Does that make some sense? So with that being said, Madison, tell us a little bit about you before we go further. First off, hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, like you said, I'm his youngest daughter. Um, back, back story, um, I actually attended, in, attended a Life Christian Academy. I graduated class of 2019, um, so wasn't far back. <laughs> but, um, yep, I um, actually was saved here at age 13 on that corner right there during Spiritual Emphasis Week here and just... Four months later, I got hit with the news that I had lupus, not knowing what it was at all. But the look on my parents said they knew what that was. So um, I used volleyball as a mask, as a curtain, so no one knew what was going on. But not just knowing what was going on, really knowing my weakness. So that followed through volleyball to school to just personal strength. Now, through that talent, I did become the first to leave LCA to D1 Athletics full scholarship. And I thought my wings were ready to fly and head out um, into Fort Collins, mm -hmm. but life 
became a reality that not everything happens the way you thought it would. And uh, a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges, but mostly physical. My fear at 13 came real at age 21. Um, I started losing weight. I couldn't function in school by myself. So I moved back up home here. And April, I got the news that I had cancer, stage two. And uh, that's when it all just went to shatters, truly. Mm. When we um, were preparing for this, we thought it'd be really good to make sure everything we talk about today is anchored in scripture. So we're going to be coming from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 using the story of King Jehoshaphat uh, in the story. Here's what I want you to understand as we're walking through this. The reason the testimony here is powerful, the reason why some of you may not, I, I've preached since she's had cancer, and I know many people didn't know, um, but the reality is the word works. Yes, it does. Okay. It's real. But the other thing that's important is when you read the word, sometimes you forget that it was real people who are in it. And you sometimes miss how real their circumstances are or the un, what's the word I like to say? Let me say it this way. You guys, the enemy, the devil, he's attacking one thing. And that's our minds. It's the confusion we have. It's when we lack the clarity, when we, we lack it. And so we're going to walk through this scripture, but we're going to walk through using, you know, hearing Madison share different parts of it. So with that being said, um, I'm going to ask them that they bring up the first three scriptures, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. And here it goes. It says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and the, uh, uh, together with the, some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. Verse number two, people came and told Jehoshaphat a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Verse three, Joseph, Joseph, uh, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Another translation says alarmed, suddenly shocked. Okay. And he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Now, before I go further, if you just not to miss it, but Jehoshaphat got attacked by three different enemies kind of at the same time. Not even kind of, they were at the same time. And let me ask any of you, have you ever had that experience that it seems like everything hits you at the same time? It wasn't just one thing. It's rarely just one thing. It's usually one thing plus another thing plus another thing. So it's, it's, it's another way of saying it felt like all hell was breaking loose, right? Like it just felt like everything was hitting you at the same time. And what's interesting about this is Jehoshaphat hears the information. People tell him about the information. And the scripture literally says he was afraid. He was alarmed. But then it goes on to say, but he resolved himself. To inquire the Lord. Madison, what were the other two? It wasn't just cancer. It was what else? Lupus and anemia. So when we're in April and they tell us about that Madison has cancer, it's not just cancer. It's, there's lupus there. There's anemia there. And when they tell us about the cancer, they also tell us that the cancer is aggressive. And the Bible says right here that, you know, 
Jehoshaphat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. I'm always, always amazed by that moment because as great as that sounds, that's not what I did. That is what Cindy did. That is what Madison did. Taylor did. My mother did. That's not what I did. Uh, I didn't resolve to seek the Lord. I made a whole lot of phone calls, y'all, before I actually prayed. I can't call it prayer when you was like, oh, no, Lord, no way, and then pick up a phone. I didn't actually pray. Uh, uh. <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is uh, kind of like the first time, the first service in this one where we talked about it publicly. So, and um, it is amazing how shrewd the enemy is. In that moment, the way he played games with me <laughs> was every scripture that anyway said the sins of the Father. Goes on to the kids. Any place where Anything said that it was like my fault in terms of something I did. Because, you know, it's my job as a father to protect, to cover, to do all those things. I was like, give me cancer, Lord, but not my baby. And all this is I'm feeling. Now, please, don't, don't feel sorry for me, okay? Because I made some phone calls, but the Lord was in some of those phone calls. Because every phone call I made, I called Pastor Tyler. I called my covenant brothers. I called my friends, I called my relatives. I, I never forget, I called my cousin Regina, who had, just came out of cancer. And I'm, I'm in my feelings. <laughs> and Regina looks at me, literally on the phone, and goes, Eric, I said, yeah, babe. She goes, stop making this about you. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be told in the most direct way the truth. They kept saying, why are you talking to us? Get to the cross. Talk to the Lord. Get to the cross. Madison, when you heard the news that night, like, talk about that, that experience. So before I got the diagnose, um, the first day I was into the hospital, they told me that I had to have an emergency biopsy on my neck. So late that night, my family left, and I was by myself. And because my body was going through so much pain already, I was already in the midst of doing blood transfusion that I couldn't sleep. So I was very uncomfortable. So by myself, I'm in the dark and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm not gonna make this cute. I'm not about to make it sound like, oh, you're with me. I know you are with me, <laughs> but to be honest with you, I'm sick of fighting. You've made me a fighter since I was a baby. I put in these gloves on to fight in and out. I'm tired, mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm fighting myself. What do I do? I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna have to talk to me. I don't have a career. I don't have a community no more. I don't have an identity. Mm -hmm. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And clear as day, he just said, I didn't need you to fight anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Now, as a 22-year-old at a young age, we think we got to do everything on our own, at our pace. Mm. You know how society tells us we need to be on this deadline, this deadline, this deadline. <laughs> and honestly, half a million are not even on that deadline. So in that moment, it's like, okay, I'm not fighting, but what do I do? Mm. I just don't sit here. Until they diagnosed me on Good Friday, what a day to be diagnosed. He overwhelmed me with his peace. Mm. That didn't make no sense. Mm. That it scared me. Mm. And when my dad came and he just started telling me how bad he feels, I just said, dad is fine. I actually have an answer after three years. I have an answer. And he does that. He will directly straighten you out. Stop talking. I need you to sit down. Let me take it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to hear her. She says, Dad, it's going to be fine. Mr. Don't worry about anything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm always saying, right? Don't worry about anything. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will come upon your heart. I'm in that moment, yet that's not where I go. But thank God, that's where my wife went. That's where Madison went. That's where Taylor went. That's where my mom went. That's where so many of them went there, and they brought me along. Eventually, I got there. <laughs> But here's one of the things that I want you all to personalize this. We're using Madison's story. And I know for a fact right now there are those in the audience who are being touched by cancer right now, being touched by illness right now, being touched by lack right now, being touched by whatever it is right now, a relationship issue, whatever it is. Here's what I want to ask, the question I want to ask of you, because this is what's powerful. In this message, it says Jehoshaphat was afraid. Well, Madison says she brought her heart in the heart of Thanksgiving. She brought her heart. So she was so real with the Lord. So my question to you right now is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Now, you mean I'm not afraid of nothing. What is angering you so bad? Because usually your anger is a secondary response to something you're afraid of. What are you afraid of? And you need to take that to the Lord. Okay? I remember I had to be this clear with the Lord. I said, Lord... I was in the hallway after calling everybody, and I'm just walking by myself, and uh, uh, Cindy's already prayed, and I'm, 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 I'm literally in the hallway, and I'm walking, and I, said, and, and I said, okay, Lord, I need to be very clear with you. This is what I'm afraid of. My fear is that I can so clearly picture my life on this planet without my daughter there. Keeping you real, y'all. Keeping it 100. And in that moment, I needed God to disrupt that, where his love had to be stronger than my fear. Not what the doctors were gonna finally tell me to make it sound like it's not as bad as I imagined it. Do you hear the difference? And so what was interesting, we asked that question and Madison talks to the Lord in the story. After you answer that question, what am I afraid of? In the story, Jehoshaphat, they talk about Jehoshaphat's prayer. So he proclaims a fast. Madison, you did something else, because Jehoshaphat said he grabbed and gathered a group of folks, and they became the, uh, uh, proclaimed a fast, which is another way of saying it. they got rid of the distraction. When something's real enough, and you need to be delivered from something, sometimes it's the distraction that gets you. Not the problem, it's all the stuff that you want to run to to offset what you're actually having to deal with. I, I know this for I practice that, unfortunately. 
So to be able to really lock on. So Madison, for you, especially speaking to someone out here who's dealing with something major, how did you do that? Like, so uh, first, I got rid of social media. We all know social media is a false narrative of life. <laughs> Everybody wants to put their highlights, but no one wants to talk about what happens when the camera turns off, point blank as it is. <laughs> I also had to get rid of people. And unfortunately, at that time, the Lord did remove that instantly without me even recognizing it. Then he had to separate everything that I said was me, mm. my talent, my smarts, my personality, my reputation. Mm. I had that all to be removed and I just had to sit with just him. And with all of that, I had to reflect on myself, which causes self-awareness, causes self-correction. We don't like to do that, but we do. But then also self-grace. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do that also. We like to say, it's my fault. I did this. I did it. Oh, I hate myself. I hate myself. Words carry meaning, and they end up happening in real life. I told myself, I don't want to look at myself. I went seven months without looking at myself in a mirror, without even recognizing it. You have to separate things that are so easy to grab into a void. It's a void that we're trying to fill. You mm. can't fill it with temporary things. Mm. Don't allow your temporary emotions to then cause you lifetime consequences or lifetime absence. Mm. It's uncomfortable. Mm. And I had to recognize that at this age mm. so fast. Mm. And with all that distraction, I saw what the main thing was, was God never moved from me. Mm. Mm. When the people will leave, mm. He stays. Mm. When the things disappear, he stays. Mm. And many times we think that he doesn't. He doesn't mm. function like us. Thank you, he doesn't. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, he doesn't. We, we call that a mic drop. <laughs> One of the things here, um, it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and keep in mind that uh, King Jehoshaphat and Judah are getting attacked on all sides. So they, they, they feel overwhelmed by what's coming. And they clearly see the problem. Uh, but in his prayer, he also makes it pretty clear that he doesn't know the solution. They don't know what to do. So as he's praying to the Lord, so, such in a vulnerable, real, transparent way, if you look at verse number 9, if you'll pull that up, verse number 9 simply says this. This is King Jehoshaphat praying. If disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you. For your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. I need you to hear this now. The very first thing he says, it says, if disaster comes on us by sword or judgment, and what that actually means is, if the disaster I'm experiencing right now, if the problems we are dealing with right now are my fault, that because of, whether knowingly or unknowingly, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever that problem is, and it's my fault, or whether it's famine, which is lack, or whether it's sickness, at the end of the day, I still have to come to you in my distress. I still gonna call on your name, you will hear me and you deliver. Any wasted time we spend 
and self-pity, talking about, it's my fault. I wouldn't be in this situation if I didn't do it. We know that already. God knows that already. Why are you waiting? Why are you extending your misery? Why are you paying interest on top of a payment you can't pay? Why are you experiencing more pain that begets more pain when the Lord's like, bring me to, bring, come to me right now. This is what was such a game changer for me in this. That wherever you're at in it, whether it's your fault or not your fault, there's no big eyes or little U's. You keep coming to the same place, which is him helping you. You go to his love. Every answer people gave me was go to the cross. The solution's at the cross. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Run to the cross. That's where it's found. Here's my question, and the question we ask is, who are you taking it to? The problems you have right now, who are you taking it to? The challenge you're facing right now, who are you taking it to? Do you know how many people I ran to? You know, it's like maybe people's pity or, or and I'm not consciously thinking this, but there's a part of me that just feels like the, 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 the somebody out there who can relate to it and be like, oh, yeah, no, I get it. No, they're like, well, I'm going to show some compassion, but you need to go to the source that can do something about it. And that is God himself. And his peace isn't in the answer that Madison doesn't have cancer. The peace is that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I will never leave her nor forsake her, that I will never leave your family nor forsake it. That's where the peace is. Now, the one thing, Mass and I were having this conversation uh, earlier, and this is where I want to make sure we get to, is that second question I ask is, who do you take it to? But I want you all to hear God's answer, and then I want to hear Madison respond. I want you all to hear God's answer to Jehoshaphat's very transparent, real, vulnerable prayer. Let's start at verse 15. And the scripture says, and he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. So this message he's delivering isn't just for King Jehoshaphat. What we're experiencing isn't just for us. It's for all of you. What you're experiencing isn't just for you. It's for a whole lot of others. Uh, literally, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. And more than once, testimonies. Well, watch what he says right here. So good. He said in King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, because of the results. Do not be afraid because of what the report says. Do not be afraid of what can actually be seen and measured. I I need this to be very, very clear, okay? It goes on to say, um, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16, tomorrow... Go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Please, before I finish this point, 
He is, the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to somebody directly. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Here it is. Tomorrow, go out to face them. Say face them. For the Lord is with you. It's the point I want to make sure, and you can put the point up on the, the key point on this. Face it. Don't fight it. Face it. Don't fight it. The Lord's made it very clear to Jehoshaphat. He's made it clear to our family. He said, this is what you have to face. You're going to see it clearly. You're not going to be able to hide. You're not going to live in la-la land. You're going to look your problem dead in the face. But you won't have to fight it. You will face it. But you, will, you won't have to fight it. I, you're not going to fight it from a distance. You're going to actually face it up close and watch what I do. Madison, when you have to face this, but if, if you have to face it but not fight it, what, what does that mean? We all know the same weight on the Lord. Personally, I don't like that. Because I don't know what that looked like in the past. Many times we say, wait on the Lord, be good, courage, yada, yada. What am I waiting for? I don't see anything. What I see, I see is pain. Right now, all I see is doubt. What I see is a desert. And right now, at that point in April, I see death staring at me. What am I waiting for? But many times we think waiting means the waiting room. Really, we're in the dressing room. You're getting prepared. Come on. But what are we preparing for? That's when it kicks in. You're walking by faith. You're not walking by your sight. You're walking by your faith. Even if you see the brokenness, you see the the ashes of your past life. I made it through a fire this year and I look back and there goes my career, there goes my comfort zone, there goes all of that. Where am I going? He's going to equip you for what you need. David didn't need Saul's shield. He didn't need his sword. He needed that whip that he had all those years. That's all I need, that's all I need. He's going to give you your mind, your talent, your gift, how you speak to people, how you care for people, how you walk, how you talk. Your laugh can change a heart. Wait on God, because I'm telling you, you're going to regret that you did it and you're going to wish you had. Wait. Wait. You you said something in the earlier service that I, I remember you were talking about faith. And we were talking about how the opposite, I used to think the opposite of, of uh, faith was fear, or the opposite of fear was faith. Actually, the opposite of faith is sight. The Bible says, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. So if you can see it, there's really no faith necessary. So the currency of the kingdom is when everything around says differently than what you're experiencing, that's the moment of truth. So when we say face it, don't fight it, we're not saying you won't fight, you just know what you're fighting for. The Bible calls, we are supposed to fight the good fight of faith. 
Not good fight of cancer. Not the good fight of financial uh, uh, independence or distress. Not the good fight of whatever you want to talk. It's faith. Now, I share these things because we want to talk about it from obviously somebody in the midst of it. Somebody who's a parent of it. I, I, I want to tell you right now, like, I, I, and I say this, and I don't say it just because, but I have a, Madison has a praying mother, I have a praying wife. And y'all, prayer is so real. And not necessary just to change the outcome. Just to be reminded you are not alone. Running anywhere else, especially running around telling people something who can't do anything about it. We make jokes all the time in business sometimes. Like, we tell our problems to people who can't do nothing about it. Do you realize we always do that? <laughs> Instead of actually going right directly to the Lord. And what do you do for us? Now, when you read this story and then go through it, after this prayer, King Jehoshaphat and all of Judah start to praise the Lord. They start to worship him, as Pastor Tyler talked about earlier. It's not just for 20 minutes or an hour here. They started walking in a place of worship. Keep in mind, the enemy's right in front of Nothing's changed. They praise all the way to the point where they're looking the enemy dead in the face. But by the time they get there, do you know that the three armies who came to whoop them have ended up fighting each other and killed each other all off? Now, is that always the outcome? No. But is that the kind of assurance we have? That the battle's not ours, but the Lord's? Yes. Here's a funny thing. It's amazing how it works. If we were told the information about what Madison has and what she's going through, and you, I said it a little earlier, you all know, especially as a parent, you hear your child has whatever it is, and you know you can't do anything about it. You can pray, but we try to be real here, y'all, okay? We, it's, it's your child. I'll never forget again, I said earlier, I said again, when I heard, it's like all the weight in my legs left. Yeah, it just left. And I never forget hearing about it. And then I remember with your oncologist, Dr. Chin, my guy. <laughs> and I remember by the time Madison went through all her chemo treatments, and you're still in it now, right? You're still you're radiation. Still in radiation right now. So we wanted to make sure we're telling the testimony while in the midst of it, not after it's over. But I still remember when they said, and they did a test on her, they go, what's fascinating is, not only have we been super aggressive with the cancer, with the chemo, but Madison, you have no lupus symptoms, and you're no longer anemic. It was like, he, he literally, he was like, it's like all three diseases fought each other. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like all three fought each other. Baby girl, you know, we've been 
planning, you know, kind of talking about this for a while, but how do you encourage, just encourage the group. Encourage those out there, whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart just before we have Pastor Tyler come up. Okay, I'll make this quick. Uh, we say that the world needs love, and many people wonder what does love look like. For us as his child, love is trust, yeah. and love is surrendering. Yes. You just got to give it to him. But hope, hope. In March, I was 128 pounds, and I hoped to be this weight now. In January, I hoped, when I couldn't even function in school, to hope to see graduation. I'm a senior now. You have to hope for a new horizon, for a new change, even in the midst of where you're at. Hope for it. Hope for it. You never know what he's about to blow your mind with. Trust me on it. Face it. But trust that he will win it. Because he will. He just needs this amount of faith. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. In, in closing, here's what I'm going to ask. I want to thank. We're so grateful. In our most difficult moments, it wasn't just, yes, we prayed and God showed his love. But we had love expressed to us by so many others. Uh, Mark and Carol Andrews, my buddy uh, 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 Thomas, my buddy Chris Dur And we're talking about people who at the time they were encouraging us were in their cancer fight. The other day I had a man come to me. And he goes, man, I'm just here to encourage you. You're going to do it. Your daughter's going to do it for her. I said, thank you, man. He says, I know I'm here for you. Now, I lost my two-year-old daughter to it. But I lost her, but I know that God can. Oh, oh, I know that he can. And when can and will match, something, my mother would drill that in me. I know that he can. And if he chooses to, great. And if he chooses not to, oh, all praise is unto the Lord. Because I know that he can. And when you can trust that he loves you, not you're not putting your trust in your love for him. You are putting your trust in his love for you. Yes. For you. Yes. That's what you're trusting. And when you see it that way, oh my gosh, that's what the world needs more of. With that being said, I'm going to ask if you all would just bow in prayer as Pastor Tyler comes up. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much just for this word. I thank you for my daughter. I thank you for her testimony. But Lord, hers is the testimony that was publicly shared. We're in a room full of testimonies. And so Lord, God, I ask that you remind each one of us that our story has the power to help another. So Lord, encourage every one of us to be vulnerable enough to talk about what you are doing, have done, and will continue to do in our lives. This is exactly what the world needs. It needs our story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all Amen. so much. You're so wonderful. Amen. You. you guys hang out with me just for a moment. You know, today, yeah. Today is such a powerful reminder of the testimony in the midst of the journey. Mm. To declare God's faithfulness in the midst of the journey. And so, before we go, we're going to take a moment, we're going to pray over Madison. We're going to believe that God's going to continue this work. But 
even today, this message is such an important reminder of why I think this series is so crucial for us as a church community. Because we don't always know what people around us are walking through. And so for us to extend love to people not knowing the journey that they might be in. Because some of you, you have neighbors, you don't know what they're walking through. You got coworkers, you don't know what they're walking through. You got family members, you don't know what they're walking through. And so extending the love of great and grace of Jesus that has met you, it's what the world needs. It's what the world needs right now. And so here's what I'm going to ask. Life Center, would you stand to your feet today? And I'm going to ask Madison, would you, would you pray over those? I'm, she, she wasn't necessarily ready for me to do this today. Uh, but listen, if there's a need in your life, would you just raise your hand? Because I, I think there's something about this collective atmosphere of faith coming alongside of one another. If there's a need in your life right now, I'm going to ask Madison to pray that the same God who is carrying her, who is meeting her, that that same God would meet you right where you're at today. Heavenly Father, we first want to say thank you for you waking us up this morning when it wasn't promised. For many it wasn't, but today it was for us. Lord God, we stand on your foundation today. Many of these needs, God, we cannot fight on our own, but you said on that cross it is finished with your blood and you meant it. Lord God, I ask that you protect them from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. May they walk out of there with confidence, not in themselves, but in the strength of you, God knowing that he is with me, he walks with me, he sits with me, he comforts me, he wipes my tears, he makes me smile, for my heart flutters when he is with me, for your presence is our comfort. Lord God, let our hearts be filled with you, only you can fill the voids. Not this world, but the world is crying out for you, God. May us be your signposts, your symbols, your examples, your children, to give the world what you have always given is your love. Lord God, give us our strength, Strengthen us, God, in your armor. For us, know, God, with you, anything is possible. No death, no demon, nothing could ever separate your love from us, God. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this week. May our hearts cry out for thanksgiving in the midst of it all. For you can turn it in a snap of a finger, for that's the God you are. May us worship you, the God that you are, not the God we think you are, but the God you say you are. So, God, we thank you. God, we love you. In your name, Lord, we say, amen. 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 Come on. Yes. Life Center, can I invite you to stretch a hand towards Madison? We're going to pray just God's continued health and healing over her. Father, I thank you for the power of a testimony today. God, I thank you for Madison. God, in her early 20s, and yet you are using her voice, her life, to declare your goodness. And God, I pray health, every cell, every fiber, every tissue, every organ of this body, let it be well and whole in Jesus' name. God, would you renew her strength? Would you continue to allow her story to point people to the goodness and the sufficiency of our Savior, Jesus Christ? So Lord, we pray blessing over her today. God, I pray that she's been faithful to pour out. Would you be faithful to pour back in? Mm. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Listen, today, I'm going to invite our pastors and prayer team. Maybe there's something you're journeying through and you just, you want somebody to stand with you. Our pastors and prayer team will be up front. We would love to be able to stand with you. Maybe earlier in our gathering, you raised your hand and and you made that decision to repent, to, to change direction and connection in your life. If you did, we want to help you move from that decision to walking every day with Jesus. There's a little next steps card in front of you. If you check that box that I said yes to Jesus, we want to help you take steps forward in that journey. And listen, I want to thank you for being here. Do not miss out the next number of weeks as we continue to move towards the new year. God is doing something special. would encourage you, invite some people, join with us. We're sent out of this place on assignment. Remember, we don't just go to church. We, we are the church. So let's go. Let's be the church this week. God bless. We'll see you soon.